It's your boy, Tony C, coming at you from another episode of Everything at Once. Here in the studio today, we got Dave, my main man, co-hosting with me as always. Yeah. And we have a special guest with us today, Danielle Kudlak, who is a local business owner. She does all sorts of cool, interesting things here in the Erie area to help people find uh, their inner zen or their inner peace their own personal brand of wellness, and we want to welcome her to the show as well. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> so, is there like a specific name that you call yourself? Because I feel like I could call you a lot of different things. I could call you a yoga instructor. I could call right. you a sound healer. What what terminology do you like to use? Yeah. So I generally just say holistic wellness practitioner. Because it's true, I wear many, many hats, and sometimes it can be like a mouthful. So, yeah, I just do holistic wellness practitioner. Cool. And, <laughs> and, and what are some of the services that you offer? Currently, um, yoga and meditation, Reiki, sound healing, Thai body work, um, health and wellness coaching, and birth doula. Birth doula? Yeah, that's the newest one. Once I went through the birth portal myself, I was like... Yes, I want to help all mamas like feel as empowered and confident as I did through pregnancy and birth. That's, so that's been a really beautiful journey. That's awesome. That's like a really uh, new and kind of up and coming field to get into. It is, yeah. Especially nowadays. Um, but well, I think it's it's so impactful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, lots of people want to have their child at home or, you know, outside of that hospital setting and... Uh, take in the beauty and the majesty of like bringing a new life into the earth. Right. That's awesome. It is. So shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought there with the, with the duo. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that uh, happens. So you've been doing a lot of stuff at, uh, the 1020 collective, mm -hmm. the sound healings I participated in. They're amazing. Yeah. And me and Dave also came to like one of your horse sound healings. That's well, right. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. Okay. I thought you looked familiar. Yeah. That's where it's from. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a very good experience. So uh, with all of these things, like how do you, how did you come to get into this kind of stuff? When did you know you wanted to be, um, a holistic health practitioner, so to speak, or at yeah. least get into the realm of things that you're doing right now? It's been a pretty interesting journey. And my whole business is inspired by my own personal transformation and journey. So going like way back in grade school and all of high school, I struggled a lot with um, like chronic anxiety and stress, um, eating disorder, depression, trauma, all of that stuff. And I was on medication for it for a couple years and it helped, but then it just felt like I was numb to everything and I was just on autopilot and I was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Yeah. Like, there's got to be more out there. Hmm. 
And I was like, all right, I need to find a change. So in 2013, I went to my first yoga class and it completely changed my life from that very first class. I knew that it was going to be something really good for me and to help my journey of wellness and self-love. So 2013, how old were you then? I was like 20, 21. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty incredible to get into that or you like to have that big of like a life change and make that big of a decision at that young of an age. Yeah. Right. And it seems like it's really been something that you stuck to, right? Yeah. I was hooked right from the very beginning. Like I remember that first class, like I don't remember any of the poses that we did or even like what the teacher was saying, but I remember how I felt when I left and I was like, I want more of that. Awesome. Um, but then it kind of got like worse before it got better. Okay. So, um, like from that point, I like got off my medication and the doctor I was seeing at the time was like, you can just stop cold Turkey, which was really bad advice. And I spiraled really, really quickly. And then I started to like numb myself in other ways with like drugs and alcohol and just like partying and overstimulating myself and just got to a really, really low point again. And I was like, wow, I really need to step it up (laughs) and make that change again. Um, so from that point, so I was in college then and what were you going to school for? I was studying graphic design. Okay, cool. Uh, which I liked a lot, but it was more of like a hobby for me. And Mm. I just didn't feel like that drive or passion, like to make it into a career. So I took a leap of faith and I dropped out of college. Good for you. And I decided that I was going to do my yoga teacher training. So did did you have like, I mean, I know you made that first initial step and then like you, you, that feeling like, like, uh, kept with you after you got out of college, was there like a, a moment where you knew that like you made the right choice that like this, this was the path that, that you would stay on? Yeah, it definitely took a while to get there, Um, but there was just like this deep knowing that this is where I was meant to be, but it took a really long time for me to find like that deep trust and confidence in doing that, especially like one of the challenges was like imposter syndrome in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. I just like felt this deep pool and I didn't have like a lot of money at the time, but Someone out there really believed in me and they paid for my full deposit for my teacher training. I still don't know who it was. Nice. Um, And then the rest of the money, I just did like fundraising and stuff and I did my training. And that alone was like such a transformational time for me, like personally um, diving deep into the yoga practice, like far beyond the poses and just the group of people was amazing. And I was just like witnessing the change within myself And I wanted to share these gifts with other people so that they could make those changes and transformations themselves. So you kind of found this level of transformation through yoga and the practices of yoga, the spiritualism of yoga. And was spirituality ever something that you talked with when you were like seeing a doctor? Because in psychology, there is like a spiritual element, you know, when you're Mm -hmm. going to see your counselor and stuff like that. Right. And I feel like a lot of times it's 
it's overlooked or it's overshadowed or kind of seen as like, oh, you have demons in your blood. You got to pray it away. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. um, The first therapist that I have like really didn't touch on that. It was like a missing piece. Um, And I grew up in a really religious background, but it was so, so different from what I was exposed to. And this just like opened my eyes to a whole new perspective, which I needed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's so easy to dismiss that from like a scientific perspective that people need like some sort of faith or a higher power or spirituality or something to, you know, get that little bit of empowerment and to have a little bit of belief that things are, are going to be okay, you know, mm-hmm. to find that acceptance. And, uh, so where did, uh, things start to, you talked about the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So that's something that like, I think a lot of people deal with. Oh yeah. And was it like starting to feel success or starting to like be envious of your peers or how do you think that really manifested? I think it was a really deep wound of like inner judgment with myself and like the wound of not being good enough or worthy enough. So I had to really work through that personally. But then I came to a perspective that like, if you feel called to do something, it doesn't matter how many other people are doing that exact same thing. Like there is space for you to do it. Right. And just really like believing in that. A little bit of like feast or famine mentality. Yeah. You know, and knowing that there's enough on the table for everybody to have some and we there don't is. have to like fight each other for it. Yeah. There's no competition. Like if, like I said, if you feel called in your heart to do something, like go for it. Right. And spirit will provide most of the time. Always. It always aligns. Yeah. Every single time. Absolutely. So you're getting into the yoga practice. How did these other things that you're doing now start to build off that? Yeah, it was so cool how everything just like aligned perfectly. So um, while I was doing my teacher training, I saw this event for a crystal singing bowl meditation. And I was like, no idea what this is, but I was really trying to deepen my own meditation practice. So I was like, yeah, let's check it out. And again, I had another like really profound experience. And it was like I transcended my body and my mind like, I was just floating in such a peaceful place Mm -hmm. and I was fascinated by it. So then after that event, um, I talked to the woman who was hosting it and we chatted for like three hours Wow! and I was just like, so interested in everything that she did. She was also a Reiki master and I was just so inspired by her own journey and I wanted to learn more. So my friend and I ended up doing like an internship type thing with her. Oh, really? Yeah, I got my Reiki one and two training with her and learned a little bit about sound healing. So during this time, you're learning all about like your chakras, Mm -hmm. the different metaphysical properties of like crystals and stuff like that too. I love crystals. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'm wearing tiger's eye right now to give me like... Stay grounded. Yeah, and confidence and just clear headed, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I probably should have wore a little bit of tiger's eye or brought something down here. I'm still working on setting up this studio space a little bit. So it's a nice peaceful area. For sure. But uh, those things are really interesting to me to see like how the colors correspond with the vibrations and Mm -hmm. how everything is all moving at some point or emitting energy or waves. Everything is energy. 
Right. Like everything that exists is energy. And not like 90% empty space, which is all just like energy and waves and all that stuff that nobody really knows anything about. Yeah. Cool. So you're practicing your singing bowls. What makes your like singing bowl experience different than like anybody else's singing bowl experiences? So like, I guess what I'm saying is it, I could, I could play some singing bowls right now. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't really, it, it probably wouldn't be good. I can't. I've tried it before. <laughs> I can never get like the, uh, like the, uh, I, like the firmness or like the touch for it. Like yeah. I was like, it just immediately like stops making sound. It's frustrating. It's just a feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because like when I first started playing them, they came really easy to me. Uh-huh. But then I realized like it wasn't that way for everyone, but it really is just like a feeling for me. Um, and I've always been so connected to music, like even as a child, like, and music can connect you to so many different emotions. You know, we use music to celebrate, to cry, to dance, you know, but, um, I'd say what's different is just the way I approach it. I like to integrate lots of different instruments Mm -hmm. and it's always just, in completely intuitive. Like when I go to play, it's not like I have like a pattern or like a song that I'm necessarily playing. It's like the music or the sounds just, I'm guided. And that, and that is the same with like teaching yoga or Reiki. Like I really just surrender to the experience. Like I'm really not, I'm a vessel Mm -hmm. and everything is just flowing through me. And I trust so deeply that what is received is what is needed by those that are there. So does it even, is it like, it, does it not feel like you're like consciously making the decisions? Is it like almost like a subconscious thing? Oh yeah. Like I say often that I feel like I'm in a trance when I play the singing bowls Mm -hmm. or any instrument. And it's really easy for me to just like be so tuned in that I'm almost like tuned out. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, it, does. it sounds like you're like letting go and allowing spirit to guide you. Exactly. And when I get too much in my head, like it's felt by people. Yeah. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'm just letting go. And like, I trust that it will be beautiful. Right. And this is such like an ancient practice to me to at least like using music as mm-hmm. like a form of meditation. And, uh, I think there's something really special and powerful about the collective mind when you're experiencing like songs at a concert or in a healing oh ceremony gosh, yeah. or anything like that. You know, you're all kind of linked up mm-hmm. and uh, it's just really amazing and incredible. Yeah, I think like I definitely don't have the experience you have or, or that, you know, Tony's, you know, delved more into it than me. But I also grew up in like a, a different kind of religious background and I've always loved how like there's a such a lack of rigidity with with um like the uh the singing bowls and the the different the meditation practices yeah because mm-hmm. i grew up with like you know it's definitely a different type of spirituality but everything like you go to a mass it's by the books it's like you know you do yeah. this you do this you do this so like, rigid yeah it's like, like <laughs> a traditional thing and like the free flowing form of just like going with you know how how you're taken, how the spirit mm-hmm. moves you is just like a, it's just like a really cool concept that I, I really dig. Mm-hmm. I do think that there is something to be said about having a ritual of the things though. Oh, absolutely. I have like a pre-ritual before I do everything like, and it's not the same every single time, but mm-hmm. it's just 
a moment for me to connect within and like set my intention. Right. Like, what am I hoping to like provide for these people or this person? Mm-hmm. And how do I want to show up? Right. Um, and just always coming from a heart centered space. Is it, uh, is it difficult to get into like that to, to like tune into that exact thought pattern? Cause like whenever I try meditation, like at least the first 10 minutes of it, I'm thinking about something like, you know, like what I want to eat or like, mm-hmm. you know, just like totally random things that are so far off course from what I want to accomplish when I like sit down. And right. so is it like, you're so used to, you know, at this point from, from all the, uh, all the practice you've had, all the work you've done, is it easier for you to just like tap into that pre-ritual and really get like centered quicker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a muscle, you know, you have to work at it to like build that muscle, but like, I still have those thoughts too. And like the goal of meditation isn't necessarily to like not have those thoughts. Like what am I making for dinner and whatnot, right. but it's to be like detached from them. And then to have the focus to reshift your attention back to the object of meditation, whatever that may be for you. But yeah, once it becomes like habit and then part of like a sacred ritual, I think it's much easier to tune into that because I'm doing it for a purpose and a pure intention So no matter what is like going on around me, like I know that this is a sacred time Mm -hmm. and I'm human too. So like, I'm not always like perfectly clear in my head, but I do my best and intention is everything. Do you think that helps you in other things that you do throughout your day? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I like to think that our whole life is like a sacred ritual. Yeah. That's a good, that's a cool way to think about it. It doesn't have to be a formal practice. Like Mm -hmm. right now, like this could be a sacred conversation. We're connecting, we're exchanging thoughts and just like the energy that we hold within ourselves can be felt by other people, no matter what we're doing, like right. standing in line at a grocery store, yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. Mean, and finding those ways to connect and have that sense of community and peace and, um, finding the ritual in the daily practices is something that I think um, adds a lot of value to our life. You know, it Absolutely. makes us find that gratitude and that mm-hmm. appreciation for standing in line at the grocery store 100%. or whatever. Yeah. I always feel like, you know, um, kind of swallowed up by the mundane. Like there's like the good and bad stuff that happens and, you know, like the bad sticks with you longer and the good, you know, yeah, we want to cling to it. We want to cling to it. But like the, the reality is like a lot of life is just like kind of, I don't want to say boring because I find it to be like a gift and exciting, but it is mm-hmm. mundane. So that's like a great way to, to make the most out of, you know, the normal, the regular. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm so passionate about like what I do because, you know, making those mundane moments magical and meaningful is just a perspective right? and it's the way that we're looking at things. And it's easier when we have these practices and these tools to use and not only just for navigating like the mundane moments, but helping us through challenges and moving through those times with more grace and confidence and courage and also those joyful times to really like embrace them and appreciate them for while they're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all those things are so important, and it really elevates the quality of your life in huge ways. Um, But I also, I'm guilty of this personally, but, like, I can 
spiritually bypass a lot of situations mm-hmm. when it doesn't feel <laughs> good to me. You That's know easy I mean? to do. Yeah. I, I used to do that all the time and I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then someone brought it to my attention and I was like, wow. Can you, can you explain <laughs> a little bit like what I, what I mean by spiritual bypassing for people that. Yeah. It's like, so the human condition is a vast spectrum of emotions. And I think a lot of times in the spiritual community, we're all like love and light, only good vibes, you know, which is great and all, but we can't dismiss the unpleasant things because it's part of our experience. And we have a tendency as humans to want to like push those away or distract ourselves from it, which is normal. But when we allow ourselves to like sit with those things and to feel them and to eventually learn like the lesson or purpose behind it, then we allow ourselves to grow from that and through it. So just like if you're having a time of sadness or difficulty, like it doesn't always have to be rainbows and butterflies or peace and light or like, you know, bad juju or whatever. Like (laughs) there's, I don't even like to label it like good and bad. It's just like pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And Mm -hmm. all of it serves a purpose and we're meant to experience it all. Absolutely. We are, you know, we're humans and we're meant, something should make us sad and upset and angry or whatever Mm -hmm. else, you Mm -hmm. know, that's part of this whole great, big, beautiful experience. And, uh, I'm definitely guilty of like overlooking those things for sure. And I see other people doing the same and I try not to judge them because it's really easy for me to be like, oh, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. This is what's wrong with you and not take a look at myself in the mirror and recognize my own fault in, in situations. Yeah. We all have our own path. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it's just, maybe it's just basic human nature to just like want to make everything as like good and and simple as, uh, in the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, even if that means, you know, bypassing the, uh, the necessary work to make things better in the long run. Right. Right. So I think we all, I definitely do it too. And I definitely, you know, can judge other people as well. It's something I try not to do, but it just, it happens. Right. And we're aware of it and then we can like make a change and move forward. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, so is there, which do you think you would play your bowls differently depending on the situation? Like if you were, say it was a one on one session with me or with anybody else and I'm, I'm going through a tough time. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your bowl playing would change? Would you play different bowls for mm-hmm. the? Yeah. And that's super cool. So especially with like private sessions, I always do a little check-in in the beginning. Like, tell me how you're feeling. How's your body? How's your mind? What's your energy like? And we don't have to go into great detail, but knowing like how you're showing up currently can help me to know like what would support you best. And which also is an important thing, like um, showing up as you are is always perfect and supported. And I've had some people be like, well, I'm just not in a great space. Like I can't show up or, you know, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga or whatever it is, but like, just know whoever is listening, like however you show up is enough right? and you don't have Mm -hmm. to like be a certain way. But anyway, to get back to your question. Yeah. If you're like going through a hard time, like for example, heartache, um, the bowl set that I have is the chakra system. So 
it's pretty interesting, like the science behind it. So each bowl has a different note and frequency to it, which corresponds to those energy centers, mm -hmm. which also is related to like organ function and different systems in the body. So if someone's going through heartache, I might focus on like the heart bowl mostly, but then the other bowls surrounding it as well. Um, and it's really fascinating because if there is like a major imbalance or block in that area, the bowls sometimes will not play. Really? Or they'll <laughs> sound like really um, almost like rigid or like bumpy in a way. Mm -hmm. Like if you've heard them before, it's like a really like flowy sound. But if there's an imbalance there, like sometimes you can actually hear it mm -hmm. through the sound. And then the longer I play and, you know, other things that I do, if it's energy work or tuning forks, whatever it is, eventually the sound will smooth out and it, awesome. and it might sing a little bit louder. And then we know that that resistance is lowering. Absolutely. That's it. No, go ahead. Sorry. I'm that's what I, I like the... I feel like everybody's probably seen this on like Facebook or whatever social media is where they have like those different experiments about mood and with like plants or oh, with yeah. like bowls of water that they mm -hmm. freeze and the crystalline structure that comes from the different like kind of emotions that you're pouring into things. So oh, yeah. it's cool to see how things in the physical world also like line up with the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. It's all connected. It's so cool. <laughs> I love it when stuff like that happens. So when it, so my question, I was just thinking about this since we kind of started off with it, like when you're playing the bowls and it's like um, one of the, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say event, that's not the right word, but one of the happenings where, where animals are involved, mm -hmm. like how much of it is like divided between like the people that are in uh, attendance and like the animals that you're also playing for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the group setting is so different from an individual setting because obviously the more people and if there's animals involved, like there's more energy that's like being um, like a collective experience. But the singing bowls with the horses is so fascinating and magical because the electromagnetic field of a horse's heart is so wide and so much larger than ours. Just being in their like presence can impact how we feel. Mm -hmm. And they're incredibly mindful creatures. So um, whatever we're like feeling within, whether we like externalize that or not, they can pick that up. Mm -hmm. So they're like a real-time feedback of what we're feeling. And if we're mindful of that, then we can begin to shift how we feel and how we respond to life. And when you add in the singing bowls to that, they're incredibly sensitive to the sound and vibration, but they love it. And so they can help you just to like tap in a little bit deeper. And since the horses are so intuitive, like they'll just, the way they interact to you can tell you so much about what you need or um, like what you're going through. And then um, recently I started collaborating with um, Parista Cat Cafe. Yeah, this was where I was going to ask about. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, I saw that. So that's the, so cats are the second animal that I have used the singing bowls with, which I have cats at home and they always love them. But then we decided to um, bring the singing bowls into the cat cafe and I thought it was really interesting because we're combining like the vibration of a cat's purr mm -hmm. with the vibration of the singing bowls. 
And cats are incredibly therapeutic to humans as well because of their purr. Like, I was reading that the frequency of their purr has been used in, like, bone healing and mm-hmm. things like that, which is incredible. And if you've ever pet a purring cat on your lap, like, that's always relaxing. It's just nice, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a good feeling. So it's really cool to play the bulls with them, and they always have different cats. So, like, some of them are really playful, and when I'm, like, moving the mallet around the bull, sometimes they'll try to, like, play with it. And then other times the cats will, like, try to jump in the bulls, or they'll all sleep. Like, it's different mm-hmm. every single time. But I think it's really cool to combine animals with sound. Um, because they can just help us go into a deeper place and they're incredibly cute. Right. (laughs) I think there's a lot of therapeutic value of working with animals too. Like there's whole like mental health and substance abuse rehabs that are completely built around like equine therapy, Mm -hmm. like working with horses and taking care of horses. And there's, everybody knows about therapy animals, you know, people have therapy dogs, therapy cats, therapy, anything. Right. All of that stuff is just really positive to our mental health to be caring about another creature i think Mm -hmm. and finding that value in ourselves and uh in the things around us yeah i think that uh like that cat one sounds really cool like i'd love to check something like that out like i'm not gonna lie me and tony went when we went to the uh the horse one i was just terrified yeah. I was a little oh, concerned. God, yeah. I Horses have, have always scared me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense because they're so large, mm-hmm. you know, but they are so gentle. Yeah, you guys probably pick the good horses. Yeah, yeah. no, they're amazing. Yeah, it, it's so normal to be scared of their size, but um, that's where we can do the work and right. we can breathe and we can get grounded. And once we move through the meditation, like I've had several people come to that event and be like, I'm scared of horses, but they still come. And by the end of it, they're like, okay, I feel much more comfortable with them. Cause you just have to learn like their body language Mm -hmm. and stuff, Mm -hmm. which the woman that I co-host with, she's incredible with the work that she does. She does a lot of like energy work and mindfulness practices with the horses. Um, so she'll go over like their body language and what it means when they do this. But yeah, just their size can be very intimidating for I, sure. I definitely remember like, and uh, it was actually, it was very soothing because I remember the, me and Tony were sitting together and, and the horse came back behind me and, it, and she was sniffing, you know, my ear and I was like, oh God. Oh. <laughs> and like when I meditate, like I always have my eyes closed. It just helps me. And I remember opening my eyes and I saw you were just up there so chill, just playing the bowls and like the, the other you know, the woman whose uh, property it was at, the one, you know, uh, she was just very chill too. And I was like, okay, things are okay. I was yeah. like expecting to open my eyes and you guys were like, get out of there, you know, like, run away, run, go, you're in danger, yeah. you know. But like, so, so I think it does, you know, in my personal experience, that's the only time I've ever uh, been at an, an event or, or had a session with you per se, but like, I could definitely feel like your calming energies while you were playing. And I was like, all right, the, this horse isn't going to you yeah. know, bite my ear off or anything. <laughs> How so did you cool. feel after? After I felt like really, it, so like it was the best I'd slept in, in a long time. I, it's not like I'm tossing and turning all night, but like I, I slept so well that night. I remember just, and just being like, so 
just like relieved when it was over i wasn't having a necessarily stressful day besides the fact that there was these huge you know thousand pound animals you know i was sharing a pen with. around yeah besides that stress like it wasn't like i was feeling bad that day mm-hmm. but i just remember feeling so much better going out of it and it was just like a super awesome experience that's awesome yeah. i'm glad you enjoyed it and yeah you just like reminded me of something too like being around the horses it makes us vulnerable, right? right. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful space to be in because it facilitates great change and we can get into those deeper layers of our our inner self, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh like just just how life's taken me, like I've spent a lot of years in, in close proximity to uh racehorses. So like they're a little more uh They're way more energetic. Yeah. <laughs> those were like the only horses I've dealt with for years and years and years. So mm-hmm. when we like showed up at the property and uh it was like, All right, well you're bringing the chairs in the pen. <laughs> like we're in the <laughs> pen. They're caging us in, you know. We, there's no escape. Yeah, I was just like, Oh no and I was like, Tony, dude, like we're you know, this might be dang I've seen some wild <laughs> stuff happen with horses. Like this might be bad news and like I was pleasantly surprised that it that it was just totally the opposite. Yeah. Have you always been into horses? Oh yeah. I loved horse I started riding when I was about seven years old and like I've just been so drawn to them. And it's funny because when I was little, I was scared of them too. Right. But just something about them was just so, I was so intrigued. Like they're so beautiful and like powerful and like free. And I just loved them. So I just started riding and learning more about them. And then, which is funny because the woman that I do the sound healing with horses with, she was one of my instructors when I was really little learning to ride. So it was like a full circle moment when we decided to collaborate. That's That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think that horses are really interesting in that there's like a very strong appeal for both like masculine and feminine people Mm -hmm. to be drawn towards a horse you know it's like a manly thing to have like a horse or be riding a horse and it's also very seen as like very feminine you know there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of people that are drawn to that and uh i think that's that's really interesting that they can like be universally accepted because most things are either like oh this is a boy thing or oh this is a girl thing but horses are kind of across the spectrum just like a cool creature to get involved with i think Mm -hmm. i think they're like Two besides it being like a like a neutral neut- neutral thing, neutrality thing. Uh, it's almost like a link to like our our shared past too. You know, just like how important like horses are throughout like, history, through the history of just right. like helping like humanity and like society and and civilization get to the point where it's at now. Like, it's just I I really enjoy horses too. They just scare the shit out of me. <laughs> Do you think it connects you to, like, your ancestral brain at all? I think it could. Absolutely. Back when we were in, like, survival, well, maybe not cavemen, but, like, a little bit more, less evolved into society and more involved in, like, a survival state. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think so. I feel like, you know, just because they're so massive and, like, not everybody can you know maintain maintain them anymore but like i feel like they go right in with dogs and cats like dog dogs cats and horses you know when i think are like the three animals that like have the longest standing history with humans i don't know if that's a fact i'm just kind of like guessing guessing here but you know they seem like the three with like the the strongest ties to like the human humanity humanity yeah yeah. they've been uh 
served, I mean, we've served them and they've served us for, for centuries, for sure. Yeah. And it's cool to find new ways to get them to help us and hopefully maybe we help them. I mean, I'm sure they love you playing bowls and stuff like that. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And same with the cats. Like there's been a few cats there that were like super anxious. Like what, maybe they just got to the cat cafe and were adjusting and by the end of the sound bath, like they were all just like really relaxed and they came out from hiding and nice. yeah. Yeah, that cat cafe is really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's Wait. awesome. I love it there. Dina has a beautiful vision and her mission is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. We went there for a book club, book club. meeting yeah. once and we had a great time hanging out with the cats and talking about the book oh. that we were reading. Yeah, if I remember right, it was one of the books that uh, like we all pick a book and it was one of the books. I believe it was mine, so I enjoyed it. But everybody else just absolutely hated it, and the, and the cats really brought a calm to like. Yeah, <laughs> that, I think that's right. That, too. that meeting that wouldn't have happened here, like at another setting. Yeah, there wasn't as much un untethered, you know, rage and disappointment from having yeah. read that three hundred page book. Right. Yeah, I think it was one of the books we didn't like, so we had to make it at the calf cafe, so it would be worth Relax. it to, yeah. to see. So like, this is random. Well, not random. We're talking about it, but like. Uh, are there animals, to your knowledge, that are just, like, more, you're more apt to, like, react to, like, the sound baths? Or is it just, like, could you take, like, you know, any kind of domesticated animal and play and there'd be, like, a, like a good interaction? Mm -hmm. I think, like, any animal would respond to them. Um, I've seen videos of, like, people playing singing bowls with, like, cows and things like that, and they'll just, like, lay down and cuddle you. But I think animals are just, like, they're so more, they're so much more, like, mindful and mm -hmm. self-aware. And when they hear sound and that vibration, like, they instantly connect to it. Right. What do you think about birds? Birds would be interesting. Birds, I feel like birds would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. If anyone has a bird that they would let me borrow. <laughs> For a sound bath? Yeah. I, I just have ones that represent. Dave's <laughs> <laughs> actually a, a, an amateur bird lawyer. Amateur. Okay. Practicing. Practicing. Not like practicing, literally like practicing to practice eventually. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Birds would be super cool though. I think that it would be interesting to see that. I would like yeah. to see what happens. Um, so... Baby doula. Baby doula. Or mama doula. Mama doula. Yeah, I'm here for the babies and the mamas. And the mamas. Yeah. The mamas need it. Absolutely. Because, like, pregnancy and birth, at least in the Western perspective, there's so much fear around it. Right. And I just, like, never felt that way. I was like, birth is the most natural thing. And I went against the grain on a lot of things that are, like, standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had the most beautiful pregnancy and most empowered birth. And I think a lot of it was due to my mindset and all of the practices like yoga, Reiki and sound healing and breathing without those, like I a hundred percent would not have been able to make it through birth the way that I did. Um, the breath was the number one anchor for me mm -hmm. when going through that portal, like knowing how to relax my body through intense contractions, which is like the most intense pain ever. But when I was in that moment, like I knew pain was just a sensation mm -hmm. and that it was temporary and that it was bringing me closer to my baby. 
and I knew that I could relax my body and then I could tune into my breath and it was just the most incredible experience like I would do it all over again yeah <laughs> yeah me and Dave were actually talking about on a recent episode That's getting a simulated birth machine <laughs> oh, just gosh. to check it out what do you think? Yeah, you should do it. I kind of want to. Well, yeah. Celinda doesn't think I'll be able to last more than oh, like I, two minutes. I don't think you will either. In my defense, I don't think I will either. Um, I mean, it's, it's excruciating. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I can't, I've, I've, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard I believe multiple you. people. Yeah, like you're literally, I mean, 10 centimeters, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's big. That's a lot. Yeah. And But I'm st I definitely still want to try it though. Yeah, I... I think it'd be an interesting experiment but like i really don't think that it's gonna be a, a long lasting experiment <laughs> yeah. for either of us <laughs> probably give up after a little bit uh probably just instantly that's, really, like, that's like the really nice part for us is if we're just trying yeah, out a machine just like, we just right, shut it off tap out yeah <laughs> you didn't really get that choice though. i didn't have that option no but it was a really quick um delivery and like like and I think because I did the preparation for it and I was just so trusting in my body, I was like, I know what to do. Like, yeah, I just got to step aside and let my body do its thing. Like it knows exactly what to do. And did you have a, a doula with you when you were doing I this? I did have a doula. Yeah. And she was amazing. And she helped me a lot to like remind me to tune into my breath mm -hmm. and to just, uh, she was repeating like affirmations for me and holding my hand. Like there they're there to help the mother like through this transition because even though the baby is being born, the mother is also being born and that's huge. Yeah. And um, I just think a having... lot of people really think about that. Right. The yeah. mother's actually being born as well. It's a total rebirth. I mean, every, every woman that I know that's had a child is different after. Yeah. Oh so my it's God, definitely yeah. a rebirth. And there is a moment in labor where they, it's called the ring of fire and that sounds scary it's like right when the crown is like coming out of the portal and um in that moment it was like the maiden archetype she died mm -hmm. she could not she could not go further and the mother stepped up and was like let me lead the way that's and awesome. that's like what i was visualizing and feeling was like my old former self like she did not have um like, you know, that wasn't her path and she had to like step aside. That chapter was closed and the mother came forward and it was just so, so incredible. And yeah, so now I just would love to support moms, especially new moms, mm -hmm. to feel really confident through pregnancy and especially through birth and to know that they're more than capable to do it and it can be beautiful. Right. And I feel like that's a really positive and interesting perspective on birth that like humanity in general has been like missing for a long time mm -hmm. like everybody's in hospitals it's like this crazy scary thing when really and i think that has a lot to do with like the past and birth rates and it being historically a dangerous thing whereas mm -hmm. it's not really like that so much now that we've figured out what we're doing at least it seems like to me yeah i mean barring like you know severe potential complication. complications that right that... i mean anything can happen but and even when the unexpected happens like learning to go through that with acceptance is can be so much you hmm. know right it's crazy it really and is. uh in what ways do you think the mother 
has like helped you recently now that you are a mother? Oh my gosh, so what much does she has bring to changed. the table? The mother is the nurturer and she is just so powerful. And I like to think of the mother archetype as like Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. She is life giving, she's life nurturing, she provides everything that we need. And I just think it's so incredible that so my body like created this baby, it carried this baby, and now it delivered this baby and it continues to nourish this baby, which I think is amazing. And the mother has helped me to like trust my intuition, you know, mother's instincts, like mm -hmm. never, never second guess it because yeah. <laughs> it's always right. And just to be like patient within myself. And I'm also learning to like remother myself. Like I have an amazing mother. I love my mom so much. She's like literally an angel, mm -hmm. but remothering myself and giving myself the things that I maybe didn't receive or didn't allow myself to receive. So it's like I'm mothering this baby who is teaching me so much, but I'm also learning to mother myself and show up and take care of myself in a way that I want him to to witness and to embody himself one day. Absolutely. And you're trying to bring this to the table for the new mothers now as, as mm -hmm. the doula. Yeah, and everything is like integrated. Like everything that I do, like I played my singing bowls every single day when I was pregnant and it helped me so much. Even though I had a really easy pregnancy, like just feeling like that trust within myself and feeling relaxed and through birth too, I had a singing bowl with me. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, the root to like, you know, uproot and and go through that portal. But all of it, and then now, like, the singing bowls help soothe my baby when he's upset. Like, oh. he recognizes them because he heard them in the womb. That's awesome. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you think that there's a lot that goes into that while you're carrying the baby? Oh, 100%. Like, babies feel everything that the mother feels. And they can hear, I want to say, at, like, 18 weeks, probably sooner than that the baby um, can hear mm -hmm. um, the mother's voice, the mother's heartbeat and everything around. So I know that he was hearing the singing bowls and he was feeling the energy that I was embodying and going through. And as much as I tried to make every day like really peaceful, kind of going back to what we were saying in the beginning, like there were moments where I felt sadness and anger and all those unpleasant things. And for a while I was like, oh, I can't feel those things because I don't want my baby to feel no. that. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a second, he's going to grow up and experience the human condition. He's mm -hmm. going to experience sadness and anger. So I need to show him what it's like to move through those waves. Right. There, I feel like there's a, a fine line in balancing for parenting between protection and allowing your offspring to make mistakes and feel oh, pain yeah. and those things. I'm definitely an overprotective mama, <laughs> but yeah. I try really hard <laughs> to loosen my grip. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if I was ever a parent, I would just be like, well, here, go for it, man. You'll, like, figure, you'll, you'll either learn or... You're going to figure it out one way or yeah, another. Yeah, exactly. You know? I feel like that's like a, a very common thing. With It's your your first child. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a very common thing with a with a firstborn for, for the, the mother or the parents in general to just be extremely... Well, not extremely, but just like overprotective, you know? Yeah. Like, I know of like, it's like a... 
you know, you see memes, see it in books, whatever, where just like the more kids you have, it seems the, like there's like, the, the more the lax you get, right. for sure. Yeah. The less you care about it. Not less you care, but <laughs> like, not less you care, but just like there's more that you're like, okay, this is just something that happens and mm -hmm. I don't need to like, you know, like freak out or get like right. super like over the top about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so a lot of your practices involve like spirituality, but there's definitely like a lot of physical healing that goes on as mm -hmm. well, especially mm -hmm. in like the Thai body work yeah, and yoga. the yoga for mm -hmm. sure. So have you ever like worked with people that are very detached from the spiritual side and more looking for like just the physical healing? Yeah. So, um, Going back to like my journey of getting into this practice, after um, I was doing my like second yoga teacher training, I was working at retail and like teaching yoga for a while. And then in 2019, I had an amazing opportunity to work at the Erie VA Medical Center with the veterans. And um, my position there was to teach yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, meditation, stuff. Reiki, sound healing. And I was like, hell yeah, this is the jackpot, like my dream job. Um, but uh, I really had to detach from the spiritual side of things because it was within the government. It was in a medical setting. So they really preferred us to be secular. Yeah. Mm. Um, and finding like that balance of still introducing the spiritual side and energy without being overwhelming because it's a completely different audience. So that was a really great growth opportunity for me to like expand my language and how I introduce these topics and concepts in a way that like the general public will understand. Like if you've never had a spiritual journey or like are never familiar with any of these things, um, so that was really interesting, but it was so amazing to work with the veterans there and to witness their own transformation. They were all so open-minded and everyone I worked with was just incredible, but it was primarily like physical based. Okay. You know, a lot of the doctors that I worked with, they were like, you know, this person has lower back pain or they're recovering from an injury or surgery or PTSD, whatever it is. Um, like what exercises would you give them? And I would do that, but I would also help them by tuning into the breath and learning a little bit about mindfulness, but mm -hmm. again, not trying to like overwhelm them right. like that. And mindfulness is a very like non-secular practice anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's very much uh, a strong push in like the medical and the like psychological community for people to practice mindfulness mm -hmm. and for it not to be like a, a religious or a spiritual practice, just a practice of like self-control and discipline. Right. It's just the practice of being self-aware, like noticing and observing what's happening within you and around you without any judgment or expectation. Cool. See, so, oh. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I definitely, like I was reading on your, uh, your website earlier today, I was checking it out about like the, the spiritual connection with like the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, yoga that you offer. And, uh, I, my only experience, my first experience with yoga was in a, uh, uh, institutional setting. So it was very like fit, you know, just the physical, mm, just like a it. workout, just like a workout. And mm -hmm. like, I have the, uh, the, um, balance of like a, 
like a three-legged table, you know, it's like very <laughs> difficult for me, you know, and I found myself getting like extremely frustrated by it. Right. And it's just like, I have a bad lower back too, but like, I guess I never, you know, for all the different stuff that I've tried, I never really connected how like much of like the, the spirituality side of it goes mm -hmm. into like that, that physical practice. Um, do you ever have people that, uh, you know, or just like, just get like, how you deal with people who get like overly frustrated, you know, in any, I, I think yoga because like, I like to be good mm -hmm. at what I do, even though like, you know, if I'm going to a beginner's thing, of course I'm going to be bad. But if I'm in like a group of people, you know, it's just like naturally, like, I just like judge myself. So if I'm yeah. like really bad, cause that's what happened. I was like with a bunch of you know, people who, you know, limited amount of experience, but like my balance so bad, my back so bad that like I couldn't do some of the poses that people were just like regularly popping into. Right. And I was just like, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this again because I don't like making a fool of my, I know it's an ego thing, but like. Well, it happens. It's common. It, it's absolutely common. And, um, the thing is like, nobody can be bad at yoga though, because it's just like how you feel. Um, and even in a group setting, I do my best to offer like different options. So, um, like if I see someone struggling or getting frustrated, I may go up to them and offer, you know, a different option or maybe an assist, but it's really just about how you feel in your body. The poses don't matter at all, at least the way I approach yoga. And I really try my best to honor the sacredness of the tradition and the lineage that I was trained in but also to make it applicable to like modern living. And if there is like a physical issue, like of course we can address that, but we're gonna go so much deeper than that as well. Like the physical part of yoga is just part of the journey. Like there's so much more beyond that. But um, yeah, if you're in one of my classes, like there's always gonna be space for you no matter if you've never done yoga before. It doesn't matter if you can touch your toes. It doesn't matter if you can't stand on one foot. Like I try to offer like um, a little bit of humor and just open-heartedness and authenticity. Like it's just a journey of, um... so in the Bhagavad Gita and ancient yogic text, it says that yoga is a journey of the self, through the self, to the self. And that's exactly what it is. It's a journey into yourself. And the poses are just one way to um, access that. Right. So those challenges that uh, not the not so experienced or somebody that's having difficulty doing those poses is really just part of the process and the overall transformation. Yeah, and we work our way up to it. And all of my classes um, are generally like multi-level. So I'll offer like stages of a pose, especially if it's like considered a difficult one, like we'll work our way up to it. And there's never a requirement to like get into the shape. Like I always say that you can ignore my instruction like at any time if you want to rest in child's pose or lay down like do what you need to do to honor your body and your journey and I'm here to support that whatever that looks like I that's one of my favorite things about yoga actually is sometimes um if I'm in a yoga class the instructor like 
I feel like a good instructor always offers that option to people to like, you know, do your own practice. I'm just here to like, yeah, there's nothing you, you have to do. And like, you can just do your own thing. Like that's fine. Sometimes I do just <laughs> sit in child pose during the yeah. middle of a yoga class. Maybe too. that's what you need. Exactly. <laughs> and I love it. I think that's an important distinction. And uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, if you think like, I'd assume most I'm making an assumption, but I'd assume like the, the lay person would probably consider yoga to just be like a physical thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I got, I mean, at least the way that I grew up through like gym class and sports and all like the physical stuff I've done, it's not like, okay, well, you know, do what, you know, best serves you in this moment. It's like, you got to get better. You got to run faster. You got to yeah. lift more. You got to make more baskets, you know? So like, it's almost like an intimidating block, like right off the bat, like I'm going to have to master this or else like, you know, it's going to be or a drag on your team or like, you know, like you'll have like, you know, like a coach would, you know, a coach just like riding your ass to just like, you know, work harder and, mm -hmm. you know, like push the limits. And so it's good to hear that it's like not, you know, I guess it makes sense. Like with everything else we've talked about, it's a, it's, it's not as rigid uh, from the way that you're explaining it. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, at least for someone like me, that's a cool thing to hear because, you know, that just, that just takes a lot of like the, the, the pressure of getting yeah. started with it. For sure. And like, that's the goal of like me being your guide is like, I want you to feel at home in your body and to feel confident and comfortable. I want your mind to be loving and peaceful. And if you're not feeling that, then like, I'm not doing my job right. You know, like this is, and like job isn't even the right word. Like this is my, my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is what I'm here to do. I've been there. Like I used to, especially in the beginning, like in yoga classes, like I would look over to the person next to me and be like, oh, they're stretching farther than me or they're uh -oh. holding the pose longer. And in a way, and I think it's part of like the Western conditioning, like you were saying, like we always have to do more, we have to be better. Mm -hmm. And I was experiencing that in the beginning. And eventually that softened and I realized like, it's not a competition. This is like my own inner journey. Like it doesn't matter if I go to the fullest expression of the pose, cause that's not what's important. And students that come to my class know that. And I'll always remind them that it, it doesn't matter what shape you make in your body. It's how it feels in your body and what you can learn from it. Do you ever like to challenge yourself and do like, uh, excessively difficult poses or excessively difficult practice for yourself. Yeah. And it's so interesting how my yoga practice has evolved over the years. So like I used to love doing like arm balances and inversions because it was a good way to challenge myself in a healthy way. Um, I didn't push myself too hard. And when I did, like I would injure myself or, mm -hmm. you know, when I noticed my thoughts being like not very kind to me, but it was a really good way to like challenge myself and to move past fear and just to know like what I'm capable of. And then my practice, especially once I like got pregnant, it became very, very soft and restorative. And it was more about tuning in and just like preparing my body for labor. And now like I honor both of those things because we can be both. We can be really strong and we can be soft. We can be assertive and we can be like the whole spectrum of things. Like it's not one of the other, like we can be both. 
Absolutely. And, and finding that balance is often a very uh, difficult thing, at least for me in my experience, because I really like to push things myself. Mm -hmm. um, whatever the situation is, if there's a way I can take it to the extreme, nine times out of ten, I'll end up doing that because that's just the kind of person that I am. Yeah. And uh, being able to find that balance between challenging yourself and being gentle and nurturing and loving yourself is a, is a difficult challenge, and it sounds like you've gone through it and are able, or at least like willing and happy to help other people discover that balance within themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, Danielle, it's been so awesome having you here. I'm really glad you're our first guest yeah, and that you it's been an honor. Um, came to do this with us. Tell um, our listeners about how they can get in touch with you or when any of your upcoming events are. Yeah. So if you want to work with me, there's lots of different ways. Um, I have my office where I offer private and semi-private sessions. That can be yoga, sound healing, Reiki. Um, and then I teach some classes in the community. I'll be starting at a new yoga studio, which I don't want to announce yet, but Ooh, stay tuned. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about that. Um, and then my next cat cafe sound bath is actually this Sunday. So like two days from now, um, at 11, I do that once a month at the cat cafe. And then I usually do a sound bath at 10 20 more of like a creative thing like the past couple months I've done a live artist during the sound bath which has been really really cool then there's like the horse I'm all over the place so mm -hmm. if you want to stay updated um, I try to update my website with everything it's daniellemariewellness.com uh, social media I'll post it on there so yeah I would be so honored to support anyone and everyone on their journey awesome yeah mm. yay Sweet. That was fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you guys. Um, you're the reason that this is all possible today and the reason that we keep doing these. So hopefully you keep liking them and keep coming back to listen to everything at once. Um, make sure you check out our Facebook page and like that and like us on Spotify and everywhere else. Like us everywhere. Like, like subscribe. Us everything all at once. Every everything time. Every time. If you're feeling a little bold, you can love us too. Ooh, yeah. I love those heart reacts. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Peace out. All right.